No cool music today. No cool hype. That's all right. You guys don't need that, do you? You don't need that stuff. Let me pray for us. While I'm doing that, go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 13. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time today. Uh, We're going to go in a couple other places, but John chapter 13 is our primary text. So let me pray for us, and we'll dig into what God has to say. Heavenly Father, God, we are so desperate to hear from you. Uh, I believe, and I know that you believe because you gave it to me, that this is an important message for all of us to learn in your economy, in your kingdom. So help us to just get rid of all the stuff inside of us that's going to keep us from hearing what you have to say. Help us to get rid of all the noise that we brought in with us. Help us to clear everything out that is not of you so that we can receive your word. God, I just ask that you use me in the way you see, that the words be yours, that it's not about me, but it's about you and about you alone, God. We love you so much, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and together as a church, we'll say amen. amen. If you're at home, go ahead and type amen. Hey, hey, can we settle something once and for all? Can we just, in this place, with all my hopes brings peeps, can we just settle something once and for all? Can we just answer the question, who is the goat? And if you don't know what that means... You can leave now. (laughs) If you don't know what that means, goat is not a cute little furry animal that will eat everything in your yard, but it means greatest of all time. Can we just settle this once and for all? We may not be able to do it in every category, but I'm going to give us a few categories, and we're going to decide once and for all. Deal? Deal. All right, where's my basketball fans? One. Okay, well then how about this? Who's the goat? Is it MJ or is it LeBron? All right, hold on. MJ? LeBron? All right, I guess it's MJ. All the rest of you guys. Okay, where are my superhero people? I know I know. there's some nerds out there. All right, here we go. Next one. Is it, and now I'm old school, I'm old school. Is it Superman or Wonder Woman? Superman? Wonder Woman. All right, Wonder Woman wins it. Wonder Woman wins it. Okay, here's the next one. You ready? Oh, wait a minute. I don't even know how that got in there, but since it's up there, I mean, you know, Pastor Chris or any other pastor on the face of the earth. Take it down. Take it down. All right, last one. Last one, last one. Where are my football fans? All right, here we go. I know this is going to, I know this is going to. Is it Lamar? Or is it this other guy? I mean, is it Lamar? Or is it the other guy? All right, once and for all, Lamar? Peyton Manning? I hang my head in shame at you guys. I hang my head in shame. 
Oh, you're not biased. That is correct. That is correct. Just because Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback of all time and, and is the league MVP does not mean that you guys are all wrong. Does not mean that. So we had decided. We had decided with the exception of who is the best pastor in all the land. We have decided on the GOAT. But the right answer is none of them. The right answer really is none of them. When we seek to look at who we would call the GOAT, the greatest of all time, in anything in this world, the answer is nobody. Because when it comes to the kingdom of God, God has different standards on what makes you great. And you know what? That's good news. God has different standards on what makes you great. In fact, in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus is teaching his guys, and he tells his guys that in this world, the world is going to be full of people who want to tell you how great they are. And, and, and they're going to talk about all the kinds of things. Think about what people talk about now. They were no different than us. We, we just have to open up our social media accounts. People are talking about how great their lives are, how great their shoes are, how great their vacation was. Look at my brand new car. Look at my brand new house. Have you seen the post of my vacation? Have you seen my tan legs on the beach with the fruity drink on the side? Have you seen that? Have you seen the post of me pretending to read a book on the beach? Have you seen the one I post every morning on Instagram with my devotional and my cup of coffee? You ever notice it's probably the same devotional and same cup of coffee. They just repost the image over and over and over again. This is what the world shows us as great. But Jesus says this to his gentlemen. He says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 43. He says, not so with you, you who follow Jesus, you who call yourselves disciples of Jesus. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And then in verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has a different standard of goatness. Is that a word? Goatness? Goatitude? I don't know. Greatness, Jesus has a different standard of greatness than the world. The world looks at all the outer things that we can accumulate. How much cash you have, how many cars you have. Is your car, you know, five years old? Is it 10 years old? Is it a hoopty? I mean, it looks at, you know, what you wear, how you talk, what you do. But listen, this is what I want us to understand today. In the kingdom of God, greatness is service, not status. We look to the world, and the world says, the higher your status, the greater you must be, the better you must be, the more you must be worth, the more friends you're probably going to have. But in the kingdom of God, greatness isn't about status. It's about service. And here's the reason why. It is impossible to love Jesus with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength without serving his people. It is impossible to love Jesus the way we should love Jesus without loving his world in service the way Jesus tells us to. And I want to look at a familiar story today. It's one we're all pretty familiar with, and it is the story of Jesus at the Last Supper, and it's, it's part of that story. And, and I, want to, I want to look at it today with the, with the kind of lens of how Jesus shows us how we, each one of us, can be the goat. 
See, because the thing about being the goat is there's only one greatest of all time. But all of us in the kingdom of God can be considered the goat if we just take our cue from Jesus. Jesus says, uh, this is what happens in John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, this sets up our story. It is a few hours, literally just a few hours before Jesus will be arrested and accused and beaten and tortured and sent to the cross and nailed on the cross to become our sin, to defeat death once and for all and be risen again on the third day, just hours before he's giving his life as a ransom for us. What does he do? He didn't go on vacation. I mean, some of us might be like, I've got a few hours to live. I might as well go to the spa because if I'm going to die, I'm going to have my nails did and my hair did and my feet got a match and I'm going to go, you know. He didn't go shopping because that'd be me. If I knew I only had a few hours to live, I would spend every dollar I had in the bank on something really cool, even if I could only use it for a couple of hours. He, he didn't be like, oh, I only got a few hours. Let me take a few selfies, uh, you, know, you know, just to commemorate my last hours on earth. Or maybe some of us would just chill and watch Netflix. Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) But Jesus chose to spend... I always appreciate you, Brandon. (laughs) Jesus chose to spend his final hours not worrying about the things of this world, not worrying about what the world says makes us great. He chose to spend his final hours with his closest friends. And John tells us, that Jesus loved them, and he clarifies it, and he says he loved them to the end. And this word translated as end, we talked about this word a couple of weeks ago. It is the same word that, um, that Jesus uses on the cross when he says it is finished, it is done. It means literally to be full to the fullest extent. Remember we talked about that science experiment with the glass and the toothpick and the, you know, overflowing and all that kind of stuff. That is what Jesus is saying. It's not that Jesus loved them to the end of his life. It is that there is no end to his love. That's what it's saying, that there is no end to to Jesus' love for us in this world. And Jesus goes on. He just doesn't state his love for his guys and for us. He shows his love, and he shows it in the most personal and powerful way, by serving. We pick up in chapter uh, 13, John chapter 13, verse 4. It says, so he got up, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Two short verses are so powerful. And we're so familiar with this story that sometimes we miss all the meaning that, that's packed into these two, two short verses. Because in these just two short verses that John tells us what Jesus did, Jesus actually shows us seven acts of service, seven acts of love, seven acts of compassion. Jesus shows us in these short two verses, he shows us that number one, he got up. He got up from what he was doing. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And some translations say that he put on a servant's apron. He poured the water into the basin. He knelt down. 
he washed the feet of his disciples, and he dried the feet with a towel. Seven acts of service that Jesus shows, not just that he loved his people, but he showed his love in service. Because greatness isn't about status. It's about service. And the first thing I want us to understand is this. It seems very simple. Jesus got up. Jesus got up. And you're probably thinking, big deal, Chris. What do you mean by that? Well, picture it. They're lounging around this table. Now, it wouldn't be like you see in all the, you know, Last Supper pictures, right, where they go into the maitre d' and they're like, we want a table for 26, and the maitre d's like, but there's only 13 of you, and they're like, we're all going to sit on one side. They're not like that. It's not like that. There would have been a, a U-shaped table. They all would have been lounging around on mats and pillows and maybe even laying on each other's shoulders, maybe even, you know, on each other's laps, all that kind of stuff. And they're kind of lying back eating. And Jesus is looking around at this scene. He's looking around at this scene, and he notices something. They got dirty feet. Dirty feet. So he got up. And here's what I want us to understand. Some of us are looking for meaning in life. Some of us are looking for purpose in life. Some of us are looking for greatness in life. And if we want any of that stuff in the kingdom of God, we have got to get up. We've got to get up. We cannot serve. We cannot love. We cannot show compassion. We cannot be great by Jesus' standards, by sitting on our butts and doing nothing. We have got to get up. The best moments of your life, if you think about them, Hardly any of them were you sitting down. When you were born, you weren't sitting down. You was all squirming around. When you took your first steps, you were not sitting down. That's a pretty important thing. When I learned how to ride a bike, I might have been sitting on the bike, but I certainly wasn't sitting down doing nothing. When I accepted Jesus, I wasn't sitting down. Let me tell you what, I was on my knees with my hands up in the air. Graduated high school, graduated college, what did you guys do? You walked across the stage. You weren't sitting down. You got married. You stood up at an altar. When your kids were born, none of you were sitting in a chair just waiting. I mean, you know, old school maybe you were passing out cigars. I don't know. I wasn't. I was there in the room standing up. Even right now, I'm not sitting down. I could pull a chair up here and just, you know, have a drink and, you know, you'd be talking. No, I'm standing up sharing God's word with you. If you want to have a life that matters, if you want to have a life that is full of meaning, if you want to be considered great in the kingdom of God, we got to turn off the TV. We got to turn off the questionable television programs. We've got to close our phones. We got to stop scrolling and we've got to get up. That's the first step. We have got to get up. And I promise you, I promise you, if you want to make a difference, if you want to have a life that matters, it all starts by getting up, getting up and moving towards something. Jesus got up. He took off his outer clothing and put a servant's towel around his waist. And this is a powerful thing if you think about it. He removed what was on the outside and revealed what was on the inside. A humble heart. A humble heart. And I wonder... If we remove the facade that's right here on us, if we remove what was on the outside, what would the world see? What would the world see on your inside? Because I got to tell you, for a long time, I know what the world saw in me. I lived a whole bunch of my life being filled with pride, being filled with arrogance. I lived a whole bunch of my life 
in this kind of selfish place where as long as it was good for me, it was good. Not caring much about what other people thought. Not caring much about what other people did. As long as it was about me, I was good. Lived my life in the wrong way. Seeking my own status. And I got to tell you, the only thing, or, or, or not the only thing, but the biggest thing that helped me get out of that mindset was getting up and serving. Taking off what was on the outside. And even when I did that, look, I'm not going to tell you I was an oh, oh, immaculate thing happened. Because even when I started serving, I was still prideful. I was still doing it about me. We all know people like that, right? Look, if you go out and you serve, and the first thing that's on your mind is, I got to take a picture of myself serving so I can post it on my social media, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Because God says, if you look for the praises and rewards of man, you're going to get it. But we're not looking for the rewards of man. We're looking for heavenly rewards. We're looking for something more than that. We've got to get rid of what's on the outside, our pride and our arrogance. I've learned that God, it's not just about what you do. It's about the way you do it. Look, we can do the right thing with the wrong motives. We can do the right thing in the wrong way, and it'd still be wrong. We've got to take off what's on the outside and reveal a humble heart. That's what Jesus did. He took off the outside. He revealed his humility. He put on the servant's apron. Then he poured water into a basin and he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Think about the gravity of what's happening here. Can you imagine what the disciples must have thought when Jesus, the guy they had followed for three years, their teacher, their rabbi, some of them had professed him as the son of the living God, knelt down to wash their feet. Can you imagine how shocking that must have been to them? How jolting? What an unexpected act of service that was. What that must must have looked like to the disciples. Let me give us some context here. They were celebrating the Passover meal. The Passover meal uh, was something that had been celebrated for centuries and centuries. It, tr- it was a tradition, a long-standing tradition in the Jewish heritage. And, and the reason they celebrated Passover was because, because it was celebrating a time when God instructed the Israelites to mark their door, and anybody who had their door marked, when he was going to come and wreak some havoc on some people, they would be passed over. So the Passover celebration is, 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 is designed to celebrate who God is, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, and the goodness of God. So this is what they're there for. This is where Jesus is at this point in time. This is where the disciples are at this point in time. And, and, and the most <laughs> interesting thing happens in this context, and we don't read about it in John's Gospel, we read about it in Luke's gospel, and this is just kind of a, a free thing. Um, you may know that the gospels kind of tell the same stories in a little bit different way. John's gospel is written 100% to show you the majesty and, and glory and, and fact that Jesus himself is God. He was there. John was there in that room. Luke's gospel was written for a different reason. Luke was a doctor who wasn't there. He interviewed a whole bunch of people. He's like a, 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 an investigative reporter. And he wrote his gospel based on his investigation. So we always get a little bit more detail in Luke's gospel. But this is what Luke says happened at this point in time in the Last Supper. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 24, Luke tells us that a dispute also arose among them, the disciples, as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. At the Passover meal, Jesus had already told them, I don't have much time left with you. They're arguing, who's the goat? Who's the greatest, Jesus? Who's going to be at your right hand when you get to heaven? Who is it? Who is it? And this is not anywhere in Scripture, but I can imagine how this conversation went, right? Because John, in his Gospels, tells us that he is the one whom Jesus loved. So John's got to stand up, and he's like, well, I know I'm the goat because I am the one that Jesus loves. Peter, he's like, John, bruh, have a seat. Because it can't be you. It can't be you. I walked on water, dude. And all the other disciples were like, yeah, but guess what happened after that? You took your eyes off Jesus. You almost drowned. He had to save you. It can't be you. And I know who it wasn't, right? It certainly wasn't Bartholomew. He's like, not me, because nobody even knows I'm a disciple. But this is the conversation they're having. This is their conversation they're having. They are arguing about who's going to be the goat. And Jesus looks across the room, and he sees proud hearts and dirty feet. Proud hearts and dirty feet. What did he do? He saw a need, and he said, I got a solution here. I can wash feet. This one's mine. And he got up, and he knelt down. You see, before we can kneel down in service, we got to get up. He got up, and he knelt down, and he washed the disciples' feet. Think about the the, 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 the weight of that statement right there. We read it so much that we lose it. But this is Jesus, the Son of God, the living water, the good shepherd, the one true vine, the Prince of Peace, the great high priest, Jesus, the living stone, the King of glory. We just sang the King of kings, the Prince of Peace, the great high priest, the righteous judge. This is Jesus, our Redeemer, our rock, our sanctification, our righteousness. This Jesus kneels down and washes the defeat washes the feet of the disciples he saw a need and he said i can do that this is what it means to be great in the kingdom of god jesus showed his love to the end because there is no end to his love and that's the example he sets for us and i wonder maybe you do too why none of the other disciples offered to take that job because Feet washing was a pretty common thing, right? When you came in off the dirty street, you know, washing a person's feet was a very common thing to happen back in that day. You ever wonder why none of the other disciples took that job? I can pretty much guarantee you that any one of them would have washed Jesus' feet. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Jesus was right here. I'd be like, let me wash your feet. I'll wash the rest of your body too, Jesus. I'm good. But if they had done that, then they would have to wash the other's feet. And for them, that would have been humiliating. That would have been beneath them. That would have been a servant's job. The disciples were too proud to serve one another. Aren't you glad we're not like that? Or... Are we? Are we? We have to be real careful. Because we say we want to serve, 
But then we look out, and we see a situation we, we may not want to get into, and we're like, that looks a little sketch. I'm not going to go over there. I'll stay over here where everybody's nice and pretty and clean. And I was this way. <laughs> we used to serve at a place called Grace and Hope Mission. And I might have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I got the mic. We serve at a place called Grace and Hope Mission, and it's an amazing, it's an amazing mission uh, run by uh, women who have dedicated their whole entire lives to doing nothing. They, they don't get married. They, they serve in this, in this mission the whole, their whole lives. In fact, when we were serving there, there was a lady there named Miss Gunny. She was like 98 years old and had been there since she was 13 years old, her whole entire life serving. They do an amazing thing. They feed and they, and they take care of the needs of people who are in need. But what they do is they say, we'll feed you, but you have to sit in on our church service, which I think is pretty cool, you know. So we used to go there, and we would lead the church service, and, and I would generally play worship music, and then somebody else would preach, or every once in a while I would preach. And when I first started going there, I walked into that place, and I got to tell you, there's some smells there that are very interesting. There's some people there that I'm just going to call it like it is. They're, they're dirty. They're unkept. They're, you know, what we might classify as being on the fringe of society. And when I first started going there, I was serving. But the only reason I was there was because I wanted people to know how good I could play guitar and lead worship. That's a true story. That's what was in my heart. That's how hard my heart was towards people and serving. I was going through the motions, but my pride was getting in the way. And Susie and I decided at one point in time, if we're going to go there, if we're going to go there and serve that mission, then we're going to get to know those people. We're going to stand face-to-face -face with those people. We're going to learn about their lives. We're going to have conversations with them. We're going to mingle with them. We're going to get to know them. And I'll tell you what, it made all the difference in the world. My heart kind of melted. You know, my heart grew three sizes that day, as they would say. It was like a whole change of mindset. I wasn't there anymore about me performing for them. It was more about serving them. And once I got to know those people, I actually was able to pray and lead people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, which would have never happened, would have never happened if I had just stood back and let my pride be a wall between me and what was going on there. I want us to be careful because in our pride, we often criticize those with dirty feet instead of washing them. We look down our nose and we just say, no thanks. I'm not going in that neighborhood. I'm not going over there. I might catch the cooties you have. I don't know. But I want to illustrate something else. Do you know who was at that Last Supper? Whose feet Jesus also washed? Judas. Judas who had already betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, Judas, who led the authorities to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, Jesus knew he was going to betray him. Jesus knew what was going on there, and he was there, and Jesus washed his feet the same as he washed everybody else's feet. Some of us would be like, those people, I'm not serving them. Jesus could have done that, that person over there. I know what he's about to do, so Judas, why don't you go take a smoke break? I'll wash everybody else's feet. But he didn't. And I wonder how often God sees us have that those people mentality in our churches today. I wonder. 
Because some of us, most of us probably, and I know I have, I have accepted the cleansing from Jesus. I have accepted his forgiveness. I have accepted his redemption. And yet we still feel some kind of way about going out and serving the people God calls us to serve. He doesn't say, go out and serve the pretty people. He says, whatever you do for the least of these, the least of these, that's the people you don't see every day. That's the people who have to live under the overpass. That's the people who may smell a little bit funny, but they're still God's children. We're still called to love them. We're still called to step out in service. We still feel some kind of way about washing the feet of this world. Who's the greatest? It's not about status. It's about service. We cannot love Jesus the way he calls us to love him without serving his world. And so here's what we do. We want to be great. We look for the need. We see the need. And we meet the need. We look for the need. We see the need. And we meet the need. Because the world doesn't care how much money we have. The world doesn't care what kind of status we have, what kind of car we drive, or how many shoes we got that match our watches. What the world remembers is when you step out in love and service to them, that makes a difference. And I can prove it to you. I can prove it to you. Come on. Think about, all right, you don't have to shout out, but name the five wealthiest people in the world today. All right, name, name the last five Heisman Trophy winners. Probably James can do this, but nobody else. Name the last ten Miss Americas. How about the last five Nobel Prize winners? How about the last ten teams who have won the World Series? James, you can't answer. Devin can't answer either. We don't remember those people. We don't remember their status. But who was your favorite teacher? We all know that one because that person made a difference in our lives. Who are the three friends that you know you can call night or day, 24-7, when you're in need and they will come out and help you? We all know them because they made a difference in our lives. How about the five people who have taught you a lesson in your life that you will never forget? We all know them because they made a difference in our lives. The world forgets most things. The world forgets our status. The world forgets our achievements. The world forgets what the world calls great in this world. But they remember service. They remember love. They remember compassion. They remember when we step out in humility, when we take, out, take off our outer clothing of pride and we put on the servant's towel and we go to the places that nobody else will go and we show the love of Jesus and we show the light of Jesus, that's what the world remembers. That's what makes a difference in this world. And that's what will always make a difference in this world. That's what's considered great in the kingdom of God. And look, it's a new year. And, I, and, and, and look, I am amazingly proud of the way this church steps up and serves. But I want us to be known for more. I want us to be doing more. 
I want us to be in these neighborhoods looking for needs, meeting needs. I want us to meet the needs that are in this church. There are needs in this church that we still have space for. Look, I want us to redouble our efforts where we see a need and we meet a need. I can do that. I can do that. That one's mine. Maybe you have a passion to serve with the youth. I guarantee you, Harmony could use some help. You're like, that one's mine. I got it. Hey, just kids. We need teachers back there. We need people to step into the rotations. Maybe you're like, I could do that. That one's mine. It's mine. We could use people to help clean the church once a week. That's mine. I got it. Everybody can push a broom. Maybe you like welcoming people. Maybe you like talking to people. That one's mine. I got it. We could use some people to help out with our infants and toddler room. Maybe you're like, I can change a diaper. I can be the best butt wiper in the world. That one's mine. That one's mine. I got it. I got it. Maybe it's outreach. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you want to lead a small group. We have places you can serve here, and there are places you can serve out there. But we have all got to collectively keep our eyes open so we see the need and we meet the need. We see the need and we think to ourselves, I could do that. It's mine. It's mine. Because in the kingdom of God, greatness isn't about status. It's about service. It's about service because it's impossible to love Jesus and not serve his people. And if you're part of the family of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, what we would call collectively the church, the body of Christ, every part matters. Every part has a role. Every part has a gift. Every part has some way they can contribute to this this act of service, this making a difference. And if you're not serving, you're not using the gifts that God has given you. If you're not serving, then something God wants to be done isn't being done. If you're not serving, then there is a need out there that God wants to be met that isn't being met. We can have all the excuses in the world we want. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. Well, I might not be good at that. And Jesus could have had excuses. Look, it was hours before he was going to die. He could have been like, I'm sorry. I'm going to take these next few hours off. I've been teaching you guys for three years. You're good. I'm going to go off to myself and recline in my room. He could have been like, really? You guys were just fighting about who's the goat. You're so entitled. I would not dare bend down and wash your feet. He could have been like, Judas is about ready to betray me, so I think I'll pass. But he didn't. Because his love has no end, he served anyway. And that's the example he sets for us. We are called to serve in this world. That is God's example of being the goat. And we can all be the goat. And look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You will be taken advantage of when you start serving. So what? serve anyway. There will be people who are entitled and expect it. Happens to us all the time. So what? Serve anyway. There will be people that you probably wouldn't invite to dinner. So what? Serve anyway. There will be people who won't appreciate what you do. So what? Serve anyway. Look, I spent so long with a proud heart and dirty feet. And if we're honest, every one of us is in that place. Every one of us is in that place. Maybe your pride's not as bad as mine is, but we feel some kind of way. Look, Jesus washed me and he forgave me. I am redeemed and I am forgiven. How can I not reflect that love back to the world? How can we not take what Jesus gave us and reflect it back to the world? What are you waiting for? 
It's a new year. Open the eyes. See a need. Say, I can do that. It's mine. I can do that. It's mine. Because greatness in the kingdom of God is not about your status. It's about your service. It's impossible to love Jesus and not serve his people. It's impossible. And listen, I understand that you might be watching online, you might be here in this place today, and you're like, well, you know, I don't know about this Jesus because what you say sounds good, but I've never really met him. And I'm going to tell you, I think that's a problem because I believe everybody should have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. I believe that's why I'm here. That's what, what keeps me awake at night, you know, wanting everybody out there and everybody in here who doesn't know Jesus to know Jesus. And we end every sermon, we end every, every message I give uh, with an invitation, we call an invitation. I want you guys, if you don't know Jesus, to know Jesus. And we can do that right now. And if you don't know him, I'm just going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask what you're waiting for, why you would wait. Because he is, first of all, what he did for us, his act of service on the cross so that we could be reunited with God. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's why we want a relationship with Jesus. It's great that we get to see his example of service, but without that, we're on the outside. And so we're going to pray, and if you feel led in this place, I would just ask that you don't wait and that you let him be the Lord of your life. And so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, we'll pray. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross as the payment for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating my separation from God. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. I turn from my old life, and I turn towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, thank you so much for anybody who has come to that place of repentance and acceptance of Jesus as the Lord and Savior today. We know it's not us. We know it's not the words I say. We know it's all you and your Holy Spirit. And we just, we just give you the glory for that. And we ask that you keep working on those people who may not, who may not know you, that you keep pulling them in, that you keep just invading them with your grace and God help us to take off our outer clothing of pride and reveal our humility and willingness to serve your people it's what you call greatness in your kingdom so help us to just always be on the lookout, to see the needs, to meet the needs, to take it on ourselves, to make sure that there is somebody serving where you want us to serve, God. Help us to always just remain vigilant in your kingdom to serve the way you would serve. And finally, God, we just ask that you keep